0: Hello everyone and welcome back to AOB. It's season two, it's episode two and in this episode we want to give back. You've put your questions to us, your business questions luckily because it's a business podcast and we are going to answer them. So Rob, what's the format? How are we going to tackle this and why are we doing it as well?
1: Very simple. People have sent in their questions. We've picked out the ones that we feel that we've got a good shot at answering. with some really good ones. Um, and yeah, we're just going to rattle through as many as we can in this session, because the whole point of any other business is it's about sharing our journey and hopefully helping and inspiring other people who are at whatever stage they are in their business. So if we can solve some problems along the way, let's do that.
0: Okay, so let's get straight into it. Let's tackle our first question. Me and my business partner constantly disagree. How would you handle it if it was you two? Rob, did you put this one in?
1: I don't want to answer that question. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were, we've said on the, on the show in the past that we tend to not disagree that much. But I don't think there's anything wrong with disagreement per se. Like, if you both think exactly the same thing, then what's the point of having a business partner? You, might, you just might as well just be doing it on your own. But you can disagree well, or you can disagree poorly. And you see a lot of people, they'll have an argument and they won't talk to each other for a week, or they'll bear a grudge, or they'll make sure that they get their way next time. And that's just not healthy. A business can't thrive under those conditions. But for me, if you you disagree in a productive way and kind of get to a better result, even if there's a bit of table thumping or whatever along the way, then that's okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's called healthy conflict there's books on this very subject. And I don't think you need the book to to understand it. It's just once a decision's being made, getting behind it is one of the key points. So when a decision, even if it's not your decision or your idea is progressed, you just then collectively go, okay, I'm fully committed to it. You can't carry on being resentful afterwards if it didn't go the way you wanted. I think another thing as well, if you get into deadlock, As business partners, you should have somebody that is able to break the deadlock if you just can't decide and for some reason your business can't move forward. So, you know, if you may have started at 50-50, maybe someone needs to be 51 and 49 or a different way of, of coming to an agreement that someone can always break the deadlock. But whoever has the ability to break the deadlock needs to be ridiculously respectful of the other person because if they have that power they can't then abuse it and go, nope, my decision, my decision, my decision. That's not the type, that's not what it's there for. It's there for the rare occasion, and it should be a rare occasion, where you just are at an impasse and it needs one of you to make a decision to move forward. But otherwise, it shouldn't really be used. It should be, no matter what the, you know, who holds the ultimate power over the final decision, it should be worked through as much as possible to try and find the best solution. Because it's not about who is right it doesn't matter in a good business it's not who came up with the right idea it's making sure you go with the right idea whether it's yours someone else's or someone else who's not even part of the discussion so I think there's a few different ways you can approach it but as Rob said conflict is actually healthy conflict at least is actually not a bad thing at all
1: okay let's have our next question now um Rob have a crack at this one how much should I be paying myself as a business owner when you start, not a lot. Um, when,
0: we've covered this on AOB before, but when I left my last job, my last job was a very healthy wage, and I went down to a not so healthy wage. And the amount I paid myself when I started was just enough, and just enough to, to pay the bills. So not to carry on the lifestyle I had before, it was to make sure that I could live where I wanted to live, pay the the utility bills, the the TV bills, etc. But not a lot else. And that wasn't for a few months. That was actually for the first two years. And then in the third year, I started to pay myself a little bit more. But it wasn't probably till the fourth year that I got close to the salary that I left. And Rob, this concept is something we've talked about before. It's by someone called Dan Andrews, and it's called The Thousand Day Principle.
1: Yeah, this is the idea that as a rule of thumb, if you quit your job and start doing something on your own, it'll take you about a thousand days to get back to where you were before. So not not outperforming what you're earning before, but just to get back to where you were. And obviously it is just a rule of thumb, but it's pretty consistent. You've, I've seen it, it's, it's it sounds like Rob, for you, it was around about that, maybe a little bit more. I've seen it play out the same for lots of other people as well. And It just seems to be the way it goes. But you might say, well, what's the point of spending three years just to get back to where you were in the first place? But the point is, apart from the flexibility and the reward and the challenge of being a business owner, from that point, there's far more upside than there would be if you were just sort of earning a salary and trying to get incrementally a little bit more every year and another point i think is that whoever asked this question is approaching this in the right way by talking about a salary in the first place because a lot of people sort of take the view that their finances and the business's finances are the same thing therefore if there's money in the business great take it out spend it do whatever but what you should be doing is paying yourself as little as you can get away with to start with so you can reinvest the rest so you pay yourself as little as you can your money is your money everything else is the business money and that could be reinvested to growing faster which will unlock eventually the ability for you to be paid more but the reality of it is as a business owner you're the one getting paid last
0: yeah and all these years later that's exactly how we treat it now we pay ourselves a set amount and that doesn't change from month to month it no matter what the business does if it goes really really well we pay that set amount if it doesn't have as good a month then we still get a set amount if, if it goes really poorly, which it has done in the past, then we might decide to stop paying ourselves, which we have done in the past. It's not something you want to do, but you put the business first. And that's really important. And it's it's that shift in mentality, like you said, Rob, that makes a huge uh, difference. Because I always question people who go into business just for the money. You know, Eventually, it might come, and that's the reward for all the hard work you do and i know some people who have gone into business and actually done okay who've gone in just for the money but i i really believe that the most successful people in business are those who absolutely love the force of running or or running a business and then the money is an upside that you get at the end it sounds very idealistic and you might be watching or listening to this going yeah yeah rob but you know your your business is a lot further on now it's easy to say that now but you know Three years of, of a pay cut you know it's been proven I've, I've done it but you know what I loved it absolutely loved it was I happier in those years when I was paid a lot less absolutely I was much happier than the job I was in I didn't particularly like the job I was in it was good it was a good job it paid well and I respected the wage that they paid me but overall I wasn't that happy But I was ridiculously happy, although it was challenging at times when I started my own business, because that is all I'd ever dreamed of. And that should be your motivation. If you are in it just for the money, there are other ways of earning money. Business is one, but there are other good ways to earn money too.
1: Well, enough of this positivity. Let's flip it around. Our next question is, what are the worst things about being a business owner?
0: I think... It's quick two quick ones for me, Rob, because they, they just come straight to my head. The first one is, and they're actually a bit related. The, fir- the first one is the loneliness of it like, because nobody really gets, you know, who do you complain to? So if you think in a business, if you work in a business, you can always put your frustrations up a level or you can put the stress up a level. What do we do now? What's going to happen now? I'm really upset about this. But when you're in business or you're you know you're you run the business, who'd you go to? You don't have that person to go to. Ultimately it all comes back to you. You have to make the final decision. You have to take on that last bit of stress. You have to make sure that everyone is paid, you know, month in, month out, which I'm pleased to say in over 10 years of business, we've always done that. Never ever ever miss the payday because it is the number one priority. Even when times are bad, you make sure your team is paid. So it's that combination of the loneliness and the pressure. And we talked before about pressure and you know we are quite resilient as people and that, that helps. And I think as a business owner, you need to be pretty resilient. And if you're not, and you're thinking about starting a business, I'd possibly think about doing something else because it's not easy. That said, there are a number of counter arguments to why you should I absolutely love it wouldn't change it for the world they are just some of the consequences Rob that that's personally for me like the worst things I
1: think but I'm curious. What what are yours? I think the loneliness is a big one, and that's where having a business partner who we don't argue with too much is a good thing because at least there's one other person who understands. Um for me, and I know this is true for you as well, it's the it's the people problems. That's that's the worst bit because the financial stuff, yes, there's pressure around that, but when it's as a as a business grows, there's always gonna be some kind of people drama going on because you've got because there's more and more people, and that's going so there's always gonna be something. I find that difficult to deal with and it's like you've got to kind of absorb everyone else's challenges and everyone's stress but you can't really you can't really have any of your own like because you have to be the leader and be pretty un- unflappable there's no point you falling apart and go oh my god what are we gonna do or just like complain to everyone about how you're having a difficult day or whatever because that doesn't help anyone else You can- you-, you kind of just have to take it all and deal with it. And sometimes you're dealing with things that you think are pretty stupid, but you've got to take them seriously. And sometimes you've got people who've got like real, it's like serious problems that you have to sort of be there for to, and try and help out with. And it's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot.
0: It's a, it's a lot of pressure. It's, um, no, you're absolutely right. That definitely bothers me as well. Okay, so we're not inflatable. We do have things that we don't like about business. But we do like more questions. So let's do the next one. So, Rob, if you had to start the business again, what would you do differently? Meet me
1: sooner? <laughs> That's a tough one. Because obviously, after you've done it, it's very, it's really obvious what you would have done differently. So, oh, yeah, well, I would have not bothered starting that, killed that off sooner, done more of that. That's easy. But before you do any of that stuff, how can you know? Oh, I don't know if I've got a good answer to this one. Have you? I haven't got a good answer. I
0: I think to emphasise what you've said, I I wouldn't necessarily change anything that we've done because they're the lessons that have made us better business owners today. And there'll be more lessons to come, I'm sure. But mistakes are actually just lessons. Mistakes often feel emotional and you feel bad when mistakes are made. But afterwards, when the emotion has gone, it's a lesson. And if you treat it as a lesson and you adhere to that lesson, then hopefully you don't make that mistake again. Um, I think the one, if I try and give some general advice to help this person who's asked this question, I think the value of hiring people as quickly as possible and most importantly, good people is, is really key. Now I actually did hire relatively quickly, although my hiring process wasn't too robust, but I was on the the right tracks. But you are only one person, and then if you end up meeting a business partner, there's two of you. But that's the limit. You can only do so much, and you want to bring in a team as talented as possible, as quickly as possible. Which means, again, going back to how much you should pay yourself, keep paying yourself a little bit, so you can hire other people. That's exactly what I did, and it absolutely paid off. So, I I don't know if I could have done it sooner. I'd have to go back and look at the cash flow situation. But I'd say to anybody who's wanting to start, that's something that's not done very often. People often take too long to hire, but I'd actually say accelerate that process.
1: Okay, let's move on to the next one. And the person asking this question says, my side hustle is about to take off. How do I know when it's the right time to quit my job? That's a a tough one, but it's a nice problem to have. Well done to you. Yeah, it is a tough one. I think you
0: have to assess it and go, okay, financially you might be ready. And that's absolutely f- brilliant if you're in that position. And it might not be f- you're, you've got enough to replace your income, as we've talked about, but you've got enough to live so you can develop it further. I think it's just, there's a, there's a huge, huge difference between a side hustle and a business. So maybe the side hustle then can allow you to expand that side hustle, or you carry on just treating it as a side hustle and then you go on to start another business. A side hustle doesn't necessarily make a good, bigger business. It can be a great platform, to get going, but it doesn't mean that that's where you should channel all your energy. Or maybe you do it for a bit and then you pivot into something else. So it's not to say, don't do it. It's just to say, be aware that that business may get you to the point where you can leave if you want to, but it doesn't mean that it's the business that will grow into the big, huge project that you want it to be.
1: Yeah, I'd say it depends on how much potential this side thing has got and what you would do with the extra time so if you're spending eight hours a day at work what would you do be able to do with those extra eight hours would you be able to put it to to the kind of a use that would allow that project to grow to the point that it's bringing in more money than you are from working that job maybe maybe the answer is yes and if so then that could be the right thing to do but it's possible that there, there are some types of businesses small businesses that can be run in a couple of hours a day and you're ha- and you could just do that in the evening after work or something it brings in some extra money which is really nice and it's not destined to be any more than that and it, if that's the case then I'd focus on if you don't enjoy the job that you're doing, find a job that you do enjoy and you can do both or find a job that gives you a little bit more flexibility so it's easier for you to balance the two of them. There are people who who balance a day job and a side business for years and years and years and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That can be the right the right path. It doesn't have to be all or nothing in any direction. But like I said, if, if it is actually you're looking at it and you're going, well, I'm being held back here. I'm only being able to give this a tiny bit of my focus. And I believe this could be a rocket ship if I could give it my, my full focus. Then maybe it's time to give it a go.
0: Absolutely. Let's give our next question a go.
1: And the question is
0: how to start marketing your business when you don't know how?
1: Wow. Where would you start with this one, Rob? Well, what's the point of marketing? The point of marketing is to find a, a customer for something, right? So ideally, you shouldn't be at this point because you should have either, you should have figured this out to some degree before you properly get started. So one of the biggest mistakes you get in business is to come up with something that you think is a great idea and then start doing it before you validate whether anyone else cares about these things or whether you can find the people who think that this is something that they want. So really, if when you're starting, what you want to do is go and validate this is something people want and ideally get people in that market to not only just say, yes, this is something I want, but give you money to do it and, and th- then deliver the product or the service or whatever it is. So then when you get to that point, And they're happy. It's just a case of scaling it and finding a a way of reaching more of those people, or getting them to spend more, or whatever. If you're at this point of like, well, I've got a business now. How do I get people to it? Then you've you're in a tricky situation because you haven't you don't actually know what channels to use, how much it's going to cost you, or anything else. So it might not be possible to profitably locate the people who want what it is that you're selling if people do want what you're selling. But Rob, if someone is now in this position, are there any kind of... Is, is there kind of a step-by-step that they can follow to start improving the situation? I don't mean there's
0: a step-by-step, but there's a process that they can take to start getting ideas. And that process is look at other businesses because the reason you can't give step-by-step step is we could tell you how to you know, market B2C, business to consumer, but B2B is different and we don't operate in the B2B world. So we wouldn't be as good at giving you that advice. So you might be asking this question as someone who's thinking of creating a product for other businesses, which is fine. But generally, what I would say is look at what others are doing. Not your competitors, but people in your field. So if you were in a property business, you could look at other finance companies and take the best practices from them. I I, I say look at at industries that are a bit bigger than yours because then you can see what the best players are doing in those industries and then copy. And the best players don't automatically mean the biggest because, for example, if you were going to start a drinks business, you wouldn't just copy Coca-Cola. Because Coca-Cola's mission, from a marketing point of view, would be different to yours. So you'd look at a company that's growing fast, that drinks company, and then you might go, "Okay, let's let's see what they've done." So, a business that comes to mind in drinks is Huel. So it's, you know, it's a health drink. So you might go, okay, they've grown a lot recently. What tactics did they deploy? What did they do? How have they approached marketing? So it's looking at somebody who's grown a lot in your industry, or an industry that's bigger than yours, and go, okay, what are the best practices that I can take from that? Don't just look at, you know, the huge businesses, because that's not going to give you the right information. But businesses that have grown recently and scaled rapidly, whether it's in your sector or similar, will give you some ideas.
1: Okay, well, I think that is enough questions for one day. We've got through loads there and they were really good. So thank you to everyone who sent questions in. Rob, we're going to be doing another Q&A next week, but it's going to be a little bit different. It is. I'm excited
0: because it's about portfolio. The launch has gone absolutely Fantastic. So many of you have joined the waiting list. If you have no idea what we're talking about, then go to our last video, the episode one of season two, where we finally announced our new business and it is the App Portfolio. If you haven't joined the waiting list, then what are you doing? You joined so you can become a property investor or expand your portfolio. Go to portfolio.co.uk. But we had so, so, so many questions in about portfolio. So next week, we're going to do a Q&A special on that. And you're going to learn loads from it because we're really getting into the nuts and bolts of the business. So you can understand exactly you know, what were, was in our heads, what's in our heads now, what are the plans for the future and all that good stuff. So make sure you join us for next week. If you are listening to this, then make sure you're subscribed. And if you're subscribed, tell other people about the podcast. And if you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed you made it this far, well, you may as well now, hey? And make sure you let other people know about it. Spread the word so other people can learn from what we're sharing because it's our mission to kind of reveal what actually does happen behind the closed doors of business and, and make it real to all of you. So hopefully you're enjoying that. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.